Hi, this is Dr. John Ankerberg. I invite you to dig into God's Word today with my dear friend, the late Dr. Wayne Barber, as he leads you verse by verse through the Bible. Turn with me, if you will, to Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5, as we come this morning to law number 8 in our laws of discipleship. Our ninth message in the area of Matthew chapter 5. And let's read together verse 10, then we'll go back in the introduction of our message this morning and review these verses. Verse 10 says, Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Verse 11, Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you and say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceeding glad, for great is your reward in heaven. For so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. Now for the sake of those who haven't been with us in this study and for a reminder to those who have been with us, the word blessed, what does it mean to be blessed? Now the Greeks would use this word to describe their God. So we find the first meaning of the word blessed is to be indwelt by the nature of God. The word happy, as translated, does a very poor job of helping us to understand what is really ours inherently in Christ. We have the nature of God. The second way that the Greeks would use this word would be to describe their dead. For a dead person had left the sphere of misery and suffering and sorrow of this world and had entered the sphere of blessedness. So, not only do we have the nature of God, but we have the capacity in that nature to live untouched by the external things around us. The world may be falling apart. There may be misery and sorrow on every hand, but it cannot touch that which is inward, that which is the nature God has given us. And the third meaning for the word blessed is to be fully satisfied. And certainly, as we choose to obey Him, as we walk obedient to His Word, then He reveals more and more of this blessedness, and we have blessings in our life, and we are fully satisfied with that which He's given us inwardly in our Christian walk. Now, if we look at these Beatitudes, it's a marvelous picture here. It's almost like the rungs of a ladder or steps as we progress in our Christian walk. In verse 3, what is this blessed man like? Well, first of all, he has chosen in verse 3 to be helpless. It says, blessed are the poor in spirit. The word poor in the Greek there is the word for absolutely helpless, cannot help himself. So he's chosen to come to that place to realize that he is helpless. He has cried out. He's asked the Lord Jesus to come in his life. And now he has the kingdom of heaven within him. The kingdom is that spiritual kingdom the Lord Jesus sets up within a believer's life. The kingdom is a territory where a king reigns. Then in verse 4, now that he has the nature of God, he is blessed. He has this capacity to be in tune with the Lord. It says, blessed are they that mourn. This person who's blessed is not only chosen to be helpless, but now as he chooses to be obedient to the Lord, who is his righteousness, his nature, the Lord's nature begins to work within him. And he sorrows for sin, not only his own sin, but the consequence of sin that is around him. And he is comforted. And that comfort is the ability to go deeper and deeper into the oneness we have with God our Father. In verse 5, now that he's sorrowed, he turns into the characteristic of being meek. Meekness is a virtue. It stands between two extremes. 
from excessive anger and excessive passivity. This person who has the nature of God working now within him, he's cooperating with God in every way, has allowed God's compassion to come within him, is now angered at what sin is doing in the world. The scripture says, be angry and sin not. He knows where the problem is, and he also knows that he's angry about it. He doesn't direct his anger at the people. He directs it at the problem. And it says, he shall inherit the earth. Here's the man who, whatever God gives him on this earth, can walk in authority and enjoyment. He can be in contentment for all that he has. It doesn't say he shall conquer the earth. It says he shall inherit the earth. We have the full capacity to enjoy all that God chooses to allow us to have on this earth. In verse 6, Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. The hunger of this individual is increasing. Hunger is inborn. When you were physically born, you were hungry. When you're spiritually born, you have hunger. The only reason you would not hunger is if you're sick or you're dead. If you're sick spiritually, the hunger is not working. If you're dead spiritually, you have no spiritual hunger. And he hungers after righteousness. And Jeremiah tells us that the Lord is our righteousness. Now here's that blessed person. You see the progression of his life. Now he just hungers for Jesus. And the Lord Jesus is the only thing that will satisfy his hunger. And then in verse 7, now that Jesus is, is working in his life, the Spirit of God is conforming him to the image of Christ. It says, blessed are the merciful. He begins to be merciful. He's, he, he's reaching out to others. And you see, we cannot give grace, but we can give mercy. You see, we can bring a person to the Lord who can give them grace, but we can show mercy to the consequences of the sin in their own life. And it says we shall obtain mercy. That's future heiress. At a certain specific time in the future, at, at the Bema, the judgment of the Christians, is where that mercy will be reckoned unto us. Verse 8, Blessed are the pure in heart. And of course, God, when He saved us, made us righteous, regenerated us, and sanctification is the process that we have of lining our actions up with our nature. We make conscious choices day by day to make sure that our actions are lining up with the nature God has given to us. And it says, for they shall see God. But the Bible says no man has seen God. And you see, it is God who chooses the context wherein man might see Him. And how? what is that context? It's Father. Jesus said, no man has seen the Father unless He's seen me. And you see, when we see Jesus, we see the Father. The context that, the, that God chooses for us to see Him is the context of being Father. We're His children. And then in verse 9 it says, Blessed are the peacemakers. You see, He's at peace with God. A person who is at peace with God cooperates with God. The word means to fit together, to join together. When I'm walking, fit together with Him. Amos 3.3 3. How can two people walk together except they be agreed? Once I'm in agreement with Him, in cooperation with Him, I'm at peace with Him, and then I go out and establish peace between others and God. And we learned last week, that once you establish peace with God, you declare war on the world. And it says, for they shall be called the children of God. You see, the family likeness begins to be seen in us. People begin to say, hey, you know what? There's a God around here someplace. Then verse 10, we're coming to this morning. Blessed are they which are persecuted. And it's so interesting to me that the Lord Jesus put this right after being a peacemaker. For as you follow this progression, as we've shared this morning, you're seeing a picture of the Christian life. And as a person comes to understand commitment and the walk he has with God, he is very definitely going to be persecuted. You see, a lot of people think that peace is nations living in harmony with one another. That is not peace. We'll never see that on this earth. 
When you make peace with God, you've declared war upon this world. And a sword begins to come into your hand. Jesus said, think not that I came to send peace, but to bring a sword. We'll look at that a little later in the scripture. And in a family situation, you have peace with God. You'll automatically receive persecution because of your walk. Because peace with God is enmity to the world. So, we want to look at this this morning about this area of persecution. Turn with me, if you will, to 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 10, just for a moment. 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 12, rather. 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 12. And I want you to know that persecution is something that you cannot get around. This is the hardest thing to get across when you try to preach the message of Christ. Most people want to say, Wayne, talk about the joy, will you? Talk about all the love. Talk about all those syrupy things. We even sing courses many times like that. We sing all the mushy ones. But my friend, listen, when you are committed to God, when you have made peace with Him and you're walking at peace with Him, you are in a war, my friend. And we cannot get around that word. You say, well, Wayne, there's no warfare in my life. Well, my friend, you're sick spiritually. And when you start cooperating with God, the war is going to start immediately. It's conflict because it's, it's enmity with the world. Second Timothy chapter 3 and verse 12 says, Yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. Wayne, what does it mean to live godly? It means exactly what we just said. Helpless, mourning, meek, hungry and thirsting for righteousness, merciful, pure in heart. That's what it means. Be a peacemaker. Living godly in Christ Jesus. You shall receive persecution. Now, I want to look at this persecution today and see what the Lord can say to us about what it, what it means to be persecuted. First of all, I want us to see the reality of persecution in a disciple's life. The reality of persecution in a disciple's life. Now, you noticed in the first few verses there of Matthew chapter 5, the first verse, it says, And seeing the multitudes, he went up into the mountain. Everywhere Jesus was, there was always a crowd. They wanted to hear what he had to say. But in that crowd were three groups of people constantly. There was one group who were just curiosity seekers. They enjoyed the excitement. They enjoyed the crowds. They enjoyed eating lunch out on the hillsides in the sunshine. They just enjoyed the excitement. That's the curiosity seekers. They were never listening really to what he had to say. They were never intending to do anything about what they heard. They just enjoyed it. It was better than sitting at home. The second group in that crowd were the ones who had picked up on a little knowledge. But these people were not committed with that knowledge. It was in their head, not their heart. As soon as Jesus turned his back, they would crucify him for fear of the very thing we're preaching on this morning, which is persecution. They wouldn't take their stand with him, for they knew that it would cost them something if they did. But they always wanted to be there to hear what he had to say. And then the third group were the disciples, Mathetes. These were the ones who had, by their own lifestyle, chosen to let his teachings transform their lives translate into their life and therefore bring about a transformation and these disciples are the ones he's speaking of when it says blessed the persecuted he's not speaking of other groups of persecuted people he's speaking of the disciples now in the scripture the definite article is used when it says in verse 10 blessed are they which are persecuted it's, it's the persecuted. It's, it's a specific group there. It's the definite article, which means that it's not talking about everybody that's ever persecuted. For instance, not all persecuted are blessed. There's some people in this world today will find out that are persecuted, but they're not blessed. They don't even have the nature of God, and he's not referring to them. But not only are there some people who are persecuted and not blessed, some people are blessed but never persecuted. 
Some people have received the nature of God, but they have not chosen to go any further in the laws of discipleship we've seen in chapter 5 of Matthew. They don't receive this kind of persecution and therefore not included in what the Lord God is saying right here. In verse 11, everything we've talked about is hinging off of verse 11. Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you and say all manner of evil against you falsely for what? For my sake. There's the key. When I'm persecuted for His sake, then I qualify in this verse. Only in that condition. For His sake. Only those who have chosen to be helpless and to mourn and to meek and to hunger and thirst after righteousness. I think one of the most frustrating things in the world is to be a Christian and to be around other Christians who are not hungry for the things you're hungry for. And I know, as I shared earlier, and I don't want to embarrass Wayne, and Wayne would not have me to do this, but I love this fellow. And you just don't know how much he means to me. But years ago, when Wayne was praying for me, and Wayne had allowed these things to be worked in his life, I was one of his biggest critics, even though I was his friend. I picked on him all the time. I thought he was absolutely out in the middle of left field somewhere with his, with his uh, convictions. And I'm, I'm sure many times it was very discouraging for Wayne to be with me. For we really couldn't be compatible in fellowship. For I was hungry after one thing, he was hungry after another thing. I was blessed, he was blessed, he was being persecuted for his. I was being persecuted, but my persecution could not hold up to this verse. His could, mine couldn't. Then one day the Lord broke me and I've never forever been grateful for the fact that he stuck with me even though uh, that was the type of friend that I was. And, And the Lord changed my heart and now my convictions are his convictions. And now I'm being persecuted for the very same things he was. And I can fit in this verse now, I know what he's talking about. And it's a difference. And you see, not everybody who's blessed is persecuted. Because not everybody who's blessed has ever for one second decided to let Jesus be absolutely Lord of their life. They absolutely don't hunger after righteousness. They hunger after this world. They don't hunger to be merciful. They don't, they don't do the things God's asked them to do. For that reason, their persecution doesn't fit this verse. And folks, listen. When you choose to do what God wants you to do, the attitude that God blesses is a choice that you make out of love. Period. A lot of folks choose out of fear. You ever chosen out of fear? I can be at the house and I'll say, Stephen. And he says, sir. (laughs) I say, do this. He does it. Why does he do it? Because he's afraid not to. I can say, "Uh, Stephen, how about helping on the grass? I say, okay, Dad, do I get my allowance this week? How about uh, $2 instead of one? (laughs) You see, he obeys to get something. But the only obedience that God ever honors in our life is when we choose just because we love Him. And I love it when my children do that for me, don't you? And when they come and they do something and I say, Stephen, what? I look back and say, Stephanie, Stephen, what? why did you do this? And then I realize they had no ulterior motive. They didn't want anything and they weren't afraid of me. They loved me and they just simply did it for me. That's what God's looking for in our life. He doesn't want me to stand up here and drive you over into a corner of condemnation. He wants you to understand He has made you blessed. And He wants you out of chosen obedience to go all the way with Him. But when you do, He wants to make sure you understand you will be persecuted. Absolutely you will be persecuted. You cannot have it both ways. If you have Him, peace, you're going to have war. It's just automatic. You cannot help it. Well, the perfect past participle is used in this verse and what it's saying here is not blessed in verse 10 blessed are they which are persecuted but it's saying blessed are they which have already been persecuted for if you've gone through these verses with me you've realized persecution started when you decided to be helpless that's when your persecution started 
And it was building upon each step that you made in your Christian walk. You know, persecution is not a pleasant subject. It's not the thing that everybody wants to stand up and preach on when he wants to impress people to come to the Lord. <laughs> persecution. The word means to hasten after, to run after, to pursue, to strive for, to seek after. Now, verse 11 helps us to realize the practical means by which we shall receive persecution on this earth. It says, Blessed are ye when men shall revile you. The word revile is dealing with the fact of hurting somebody with cruel words. It's speaking words. As a matter of fact, it says that in the verse. It says, And shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. It's interesting to me that the book of James, it says, With, with the tongue... We bless God, but we also curse men. You know, somebody might be sitting there thinking, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. And I say to that, baloney. <laughs> Free and listen. <laughs> he got that point. Didn't he? <laughs> sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never, will never hurt me. And I appreciate the exclamation point. You see, words is the most important thing that we have to deal with. <laughs> then there's nothing like it when somebody with a malicious tongue comes after you. Amen? Listen, friend, if you've ever been maligned or, or if somebody has started things about you, that's what hurts deeper than anything else in the Christian walk. There's some humor to this, though. Dwight L. Moody was standing up to preach one day, and somebody sent him a note down. And the note said, fool. <laughs> and Dwight L. Moody said, <clears throat> he said, you know, he said it to the whole people. He said, you know, most of the times people write me a note and they forget to sign it. He said, it's the first time in my life somebody signed it and forgot to write the note. <laughs> but you'll always find this kind of thing in your life. And you see, you know, we could talk about physical persecution, and that's certainly involved. But it seems it's interesting to me that he singles out the things that people say about us. For the maliciousness of the tongue, to me, cuts much deeper than a physical wound. I can deal with the physical wound, but that which is inflicted spiritually to me by the tongue of someone who's trying to malign me is deep and it hurts. And the Lord Jesus very definitely wanted us to understand things would be said about us. You know, he was one to say it, wasn't he? Because it was certainly said of him. He was even called a blasphemer. By the very religious people of that day, he was told that he was doing what he did by the power of Satan himself. Now, how do you think he enjoyed that? The people came to him one day to crown him as king, and, and the Lord Jesus backed off of him, said he wouldn't commit himself to him because he knew the hearts of all men. The Lord Jesus understood that the persecution was going to come, and he wants us to understand if we walk the walk that he's put before us, it's going to come to us, and people are going to revile us. They're going to say evil things about us. Look in chapter 6 of Luke. In verse 22, and we're going to preach probably on this next Sunday morning, the second set of Beatitudes in Luke 6. But in verse 22, it says, Blessed are ye when men shall hate you, and when they shall separate you from their company, and shall reproach you. The word reproach there is the word for revile. We're talking about the same thing there. And cast out your name as evil for the Son of Man's sake. You know, not only are they going to say things against us, but my friend, they're going to separate themselves from us. Now, I don't know which is harder to take. People saying stuff about you or isolating themselves from you. You know, it's very interesting to me. I've seen new Christians come to know the Lord and they think, boy, everything's just going to get so much better all of a sudden. And it does a temporary period of time. I believe God, by His grace, allows them a time to grow. He protects them. And then he turns them loose and the persecution starts coming. The first thing that you'll notice is that the people you used to hang around with and the folks that you'd really like to enjoy being with, they separate themselves from you. Amen? 
Have you been there? If you've ever had that happen in your life, raise your hand. I won't see if everybody out there is with me. That's right. The world separates themselves from you. Hey, listen, why would they want to be with you? You're at peace with God, and they're not at peace with God. They're at peace with the world, and the two can't go together. And they'll re- reject, they'll, they'll go against everything that you represent. And I know that from a, from a lot of experiences in my life. I remember when the Lord really had turning Diane and I around. We had gone to see, uh, no, we hadn't gone to see. We've been convicted about a lot of the movies that, that uh, are out today, and so... We had stopped going to him. We were over at some people's house one night, and they started talking about this particular movie and the fact that it wasn't really that all, all that bad, just had a few scenes in it and this kind of thing. And I never will forget sitting there in the living room being very, very uncomfortable as I heard somebody condone going to see the junk that they were talking about. And finally, I, I went ahead and said it, and I said, Listen, you know, it's interesting to me that you would say this because we need to be more convicted than that. And I began to get into my stance. I don't remember what I said. But I remember one thing that came as a result of that. The automatic ice cubes that turned into that room. Man, they just turned on me. And from that point on, do you think we were asked to get out with these people? Oh, no. For you see, don't ask Wayne to come along, for he's at peace with God. We're not, and we don't live that life. So therefore, let's separate ourselves from their company. Folks, be ready. Be ready for the fact that it's a lonely walk when you walk the steps that are in, in Matthew chapter 5. Where in the world somebody told us that we're going to have jolly times down the Christian wall? Listen, our peace is inward, and it's never going to go away. We may be crying on the outside, but my friend, we've got peace of God on the inside. And we need to understand persecution is going to be there. And I'm talking to the person who's sitting there thinking, I've never had any persecution in my life, and I don't think you're right. I'm saying to you, you're either sick or you're dead. Because my friend, you cannot, you cannot walk at peace with God and have any absolute friendship with the world. You can't do it. It's war with the world. Why? Because of that peace. Well, I want you to know we're not by ourselves. Go back to Matthew chapter 5 and look at verse 12. Look at verse 12. We're not the only ones. And I'm so thankful that we've got some good company to be with. It says, Rejoice and be exceeding glad, for great is your reward in heaven. Now look. For so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. My friend, listen, we're in good company. Hebrews 11, being encompassed by such a great cloud of witnesses. And I'm a personal believer, particularly in recent days, that I study with Brother Spiros on life after death, that the spirits of the departed beings, that they're, they're aware of what's going on in this earth. I really believe that. And I believe they're watching every move that we're making. They've handed the baton to us. And they said, okay, we've run our lap. Now you run your lap. And we're watching. We're in good company. And I praise God that when you can't find anybody for 17 blocks that will understand you, you can certainly understand that the spirits of those that have gone before us are aware and there's rejoicing in heaven when we go through the persecution they went through. Isaiah sawing asunder. You go back through all the prophets. Jeremiah thrown in the pit of mire. Nobody liked any of them. They said evil against them. Why? Because they were at peace with God. My friend, you can't have it any other way. When you're at peace with God, it's automatically war with the world. Now tomorrow, don't miss part two of this great teaching on verse-by-verse Bible study with Dr. Wayne Barber. For additional resources, log on to jashow.org. That's jashow.org. 